0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: Before we start, can you clap twice for me? That was
0: weak man, <laughs> bro. I'm holding the mic. I'm gonna hold right over here. Do a
1: snap. Yeah, there we go. All right. Okay. Cool. We're only a few weeks away from some very important January World Cup qualifiers that could see the U.S. men's national team go a long way towards qualifying for the 2022 World Cup over in Qatar. Greg Berhalter has just released a list of 19 names that will serve as the preparation camp ahead of the actual release of the world cup qualifying roster and i have brought in justin Almanrude from soccer house to help me uh let me click there we go there you are justin uh what's to up help me kind of decipher what's going on right here and, and kind of set some expectations as we move towards this all-important january world cup qualifying at the end of the month though so, justin we were talking a little bit about before the, uh, a little bit before this about uh how december's kind of been like this nothing month where a lot a lot of stuff has happened nothing has happened at the same time uh how are you feeling right now as as we head into uh this extremely important uh world cup qualifying cycle
0: bro i am desperate for some games man <laughs> i'm desperate i mean in the time that's passed we have more right back depth depth um that's pretty much the only notable thing that happened in u.s soccer i feel like and then like some injuries and then just the nothing burger as you said of that December camp in that game uh, I'm so excited for games to be back I feel like I have all new type of gratefulness for having games again we had so many matches in 2021 so it's like you got spoiled you know it was like so many years of just not having any games and then that, that mattered you know and uh just so excited that we're gonna have a team back um this roster you know it's kind of a little bit of the same it's kind of the guys you kind of expect but there's some new guys there for sure um, and I'm just, I'm just ready for the real roster to come up, ready for our guys to get to the U S safely and healthy. And we'll go from there.
1: <laughs> and you've been to a lot of the home Cup qualifier games. So you kind of have, have an idea of like what, uh, what the emotion is like on game day and, and how that's going. What, what are your thoughts on, yeah. um, on this home field advantage that we're going to expect in January, <sighs> when we go to these two very, very cold venues. I mean
0: the weather is definitely a new thing. I mean Cincinnati was pretty cold, but not really. I mean it was like I sound like I'm I was born and raised in Florida. Um so my uh <laughs> my capability with cold is not uh up to par with some of those northerners, but I'm definitely not going to the Minnesota game. I, I'm I'm chickening yeah. out of that. But we are going to the uh the next game in Columbus against El Salvador. I'd say it's been really cool to see Generally, I, I think you can tell from just watching on television as well, like the team has gotten more comfortable, more confident. I think the the fans in the ground has been much more behind the team. I think particularly we started out the qualifying with the home game in Nashville, and I, I don't think I've ever been more scared for something in my life. I mean, it was <laughs> like, I think it was right after the El Salvador away game. You're like, we have to go to Honduras. And then we get there and we only found out that Wes McKinney wasn't available like I don't even remember it's been such a blur but like you kind of felt the eeriness of like this could go wrong at any moment and then we got the breakthrough goal with Brendan Aronson the entire place just like it was probably the loudest other than the Pulisic goal against Mexico the loudest I'd heard the stadium get just because of all the pent-up just like stress and the performance wasn't good we had people playing in the eight positions that we shouldn't have had (laughs) um but that's a whole nother story um And then from there, I felt like you obviously, you went to the Austin game, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I I was in uh, USA versus
0: Jamaica. Yeah, you got to see the part of like the turnaround. And then we were at the US Costa Rica game. And I mean, they have like the Typho going up. And we're still like doing like the whatever, like awkward Viking chant, like in the crowd. (laughs) And we're not even done. And it's like, oh, we're down a goal. And so I feel like we felt like the pensiveness of that. But comparing that to when we actually got to the US Mexico game in Cincinnati, like incredible atmosphere there was a but you could feel like a bit more confidence and i, I don't know if it was because we beat mexico twice the year already but like i didn't feel like worried i was like i feel like this team is gonna come and put in a good performance bounce back after um i think that was right after the was it panama away i'm getting it all mixed up it's been a long time we need these games back but <laughs> um yeah man it, it was incredible just i'm so excited to get back to these games but yeah it was cool
1: yeah, and I think what we learned is that the the best eleven, the the, the starting eleven that the U.S. National Team can put out there, uh, can really go out and play with the best of CONCACAF. The issue is that whenever we have to rotate, which we'll have to do in this window, um, are there guys that can step up and replace that MMA midfield or uh, yeah. Ricardo Pepe at striker or you know the center backs, the the, the wing backs? Um, and, and looking at this preparation camp roster, uh, is there anybody on that list that that you know, you were excited to see or, or, or gave you a moment of pause.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was watching back your video when it came out just yesterday and I completely agree with you. I think Jordi Mihalovich is the guy for me that seems like the most like plug in and play had a great season in MLS. I I'll admit like when he first started popping up on rosters, like, I guess like 2019 or whenever it was, I didn't know much about him. I just kind of was like, I don't even really remember much about his performances, but particularly his season in MLS this year. I, he definitely captured my attention and I feel like, like you said, man, I feel like we're getting to that point where legit didn't play in the last window. The performances just have not been up to scratch. And I feel like there is definitely, I, I feel like there's an inherent bias. Cause I'm just kind of tired of seeing him. Like I haven't seen anything new where I'm like, Ooh, like, except for that moment, uh, in his defense against Canada, that little a turn and pass—he was like linking up with Aronson, released Pulisic, and it kind of came off the post. Like that was—I was like, "Ooh, if he does that more, I'm like, I'm, I'm all in for this." But like, just haven't seen enough from him. Don't need to see him in that eight position anymore, in my opinion. Same with Roldan. Um, but yeah, Mihajlovic. I, I like Cole Bassett a lot as well. I'm excited to see him get just like more minutes. I feel like a lot of it with Greg is like familiarity and just trust. And you know, I'm. I'm not claiming to be the coach. Like he's the guy who's seeing them in training during these camps. And, you know, if he's seeing things that we're not seeing, he, he's clearly built up trust with these guys. Like I, I do trust him, but at the same time, I mean, some of our away performances. And like you said, when we've rotated, it's just not been good enough. So um, I think it's really particularly looking at the midfielders. I think that's really where things are wide open. I think uh, DeWan Jones, it's cool to see him left back, but I st- I still think Bella is probably ahead of him just based on just general familiarity with the system. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Aaron Long's doing, like kind of where he's at in his recovery. Um, I feel like in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm good with Miles Robinson and Chris Richards, like for life at this point. But like, I'm not sure if that's necessarily where Greg sees it. I I, I don't know where he ranks Aaron Long in that uh, yeah, it's, conversation. It's so
1: he wasn't he-, he wasn't healthy enough to play in that game against Bosnia, Herzegovina, but he's uh, comes in for this camp. You got to imagine that if he wasn't healthy enough to play in that Bosnia game, he's probably not going to be able to go Definitely uh, not. Yeah. for walk up qualifying. And I'm not saying that like he could be healthy enough, but like, there's no way you would start this guy or play this guy after no. not playing a year of soccer. Like there's gotta, be I a think his, rust, you know?
0: Yeah. His start to the season with uh red bulls are going to be very important. Like, and I'll like I, I feel like I haven't had really had too much of a reason to watch New York Red Bulls uh, since Caden Clark kind of like cooled off. So it'll be really interesting to see like when he gets back into the team, get some games under his belt. Definitely heading towards the summer. I, I, in my opinion, I, I for some reason I'm just like I feel like he's going to be on that World Cup like roster like when we're actually heading to Qatar. Um, but I selfishly don't want to leave anyone else off of it for him. Is that, is that wrong? But I just, I I, I feel really confident in these other guys.
1: You know, you bring up an interesting point. You know, um, we always talk about the 23 the 23, the 23, because that's what you classically bring to a World Cup. But we've seen expanded rosters all the way through World Cup qualifying. And we've seen that uh, COVID has been decimating rosters across the world and and causing cancellations and all this stuff. I wonder if there's going to be expanded rosters going into World Cup. Uh, is that something we might see? Could we possibly see 27, 30 guys uh, being brought into a World Cup that would allow for maybe an Aaron Long to make that cut? I, I don't know. It's something that that's just kind of out there, just considering uh, that the what we're seeing with the virus that led to an expansion of rules during World Cup qualifying has not subsided at all, and if anything, is is, is getting even um, having Crazy. more yeah, of an so, impact on the game. So yeah. I, it's something to consider. Some of these guys that we think are on the bubble of the roster may not necessarily be on the bubble. Maybe they're more in the camp than we think they are.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned it in the last video. Like He keeps talking about the group. He keeps talking about the group, and... In my eyes, I think that is a positive thing. If you can have, say, a group of like 30, 32 guys that are all super familiar, who obviously we have a big drop off between, like, I think the first 11 that we all pick and maybe like those first like 12 to 13 guys, like, depending on if you see Tim Wea as the starter or kind of whatever, like, I, I feel very confident that that team and the US has a very weird, constant problem. I feel like I was telling my buddy back in Nashville, like we constantly just play to the competition. Like, and it's just like this, like mentality thing. I feel like that's just rooted in us. Like, I feel like we could, I I'd feel more confident putting the U S against like some type of European superpower that they're going to put in a good performance and aren't going to be like, if we put like our best 11, I just feel something about like, I feel like they're going to put in a good game against mm-hmm. them, but then you put them against like Guatemala and I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, like, I
1: think- <laughs> I think familiarity is a very important thing in all sports, not just soccer. But but whenever it comes to a national team, um, getting those minutes together really helps. And we saw the US from like the first time we really saw the MMA midfield and World Cup qualifying was that game against Jamaica. And Mm -hmm. it was one of the better games that we've seen the team play up to that point. But then you fast forward a few matches to that Mexico match and they were clicking on all cylinders they looked really really good uh so yeah. they had the jamaica match they had the costa rica match and then they had the the mexico match and i wonder if some of these other players who are uh very talented but or have have not yet been a part of the group guys like jean luca busio uh maybe daryl dk uh yep. maybe um maybe joe Scally, who we haven't seen yet um if i think these players are very talented but is there going to be a ramp up process where it's going to take them a few games in order to, to really uh, get in the mix and and be able to contribute in a way that's, there's not as much drop off where we're leading that Mm -hmm. MMA midfield and rotating.
0: Yeah. And I think it goes back to the thing we were all harping on back in like, I guess the last three game window, like rotation is a natural part of these three game qualifying windows. You don't know who's going to get a positive test. We need the big group, but like, the over-rotation is kind of what Greg's kind of leaned back on for some reason. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like this window, particularly with how Bustio has been playing with Vanessa, like I'd love to see Tessman involved. I'd love to see Luca Delatorre. I mean, he has, hasn't even had a really a, a chance at all other than no. ended end of that Jamaica game. Um, is he going to get the chance? Like are some of these MLS guys who have these extra weeks with Greg, are they going to once again, kind of like, I feel like, just judging off of how Greg has gone in the past, I'm a little concerned that perhaps he just will feel comfortable with the guys that are there. Like some guys like uh Cole Bassett, I wouldn't be mad seeing him sneak onto the roster, but at the expense of a guy like De La Torre, I'd be a little bummed about yeah, that. But I
1: I kind of spoke about this in my uh in my last video, but yeah, this is a situation where I'm assuming we're gonna bring one of the bigger rosters that we've brought just because of uh the the covid variant and what it's doing to uh players right now i'm assuming greg's gonna uh see kind of what's happened in in some of the previous uh world cup qualifying windows where we've lost players and and really bring a big roster Uh, but at the same time you know legit's been that player that everybody's been looking at for a long time in the last world cup qualifying window he didn't get any minutes uh he seemed frustrated about that and he he did not have a good season uh, over mm-hmm. for the Los Angeles Galaxy. He gets that no, no. move over to New England. Uh, for me, if there if there was a time whenever Legette was going to get ro- dropped from this roster, it would be right now, especially whenever you have a guy like Luca De La Torre who is in form. And even if... Even if Greg Berhalter thinks that uh, Legette and De La Torre, maybe Legette's a little bit ahead of him, like you gotta imagine some of that rust from from not playing for a while is gonna boost up uh, De La Torre, or if it's Tanner Testman, or if it's uh, I guess Georgi Mihailovic is more or less on the same plane as far mm-hmm. as playing time as uh, Sebastian Legette. But yeah, that's uh, that's the thing that I'm looking at right now. And you bring up Tanner Testman, and that's um, that's something I'm fascinated with. You know, I. For, it, for me, I don't think that this window is Tanner Tessman's window. I think that he needs mm-hmm. a little bit more time with Venezia getting seasoned. Uh, but at the same time, I did not think that last window was going to be Jean-Luc Abusio's window and he got brought mm-hmm. in and he gets that That's start, uh, against Jamaica and, and Greg Berhalter even mentioned in one of the press conferences that he sees, uh, Jean-Luc Abusio as almost a starter for this team. So, uh, he, he is paying attention to, to these players and, and, he, he is willing to make those changes whenever he sees necessary. It's just a question of uh, who's it going to be this time. Is he going to go with uh, Legette or is he going to give one of these other guys an opportunity uh, because we haven't really gotten into it yet, but we've got three games coming up and it's, it's mm-hmm. one of those windows where, you know, th- it's a, it's a bunch of games in a short period of time uh, and they're very, very, very cold. V- yeah. They're very cold, but they're very <laughs> important. Yeah. Um, in fact, let's kind of move into this right now. So on January 27th, we've got El Salvador at home in Columbus. On January 30th, we've got Canada away in Ontario. And then on February 2nd, we have Honduras in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, now, the key thing here is, you know, everybody always says you got to win your home games and tie on the road. Well, the U.S. is in second place in World Cup qualifying. Canada is in first. The U.S. is sitting on 15 points. Uh, so we, if we do... If we do end up winning those two home games and even lose away to Canada, we'll still end up with six points in that window. It'll put us at 21 points, which is, would put us a long, long way towards World Cup qualifying. So, at least in my opinion, for me, uh, these El Salvador and Honduras games, these home games are must-wins. And, and then you, you consider the records. El Salvador has uh, one win and three draws and one loss. Uh, not mm-hmm. a good... Not a good cycle for uh, El Salvador. Honduras, even worse. Zero wins, one draw, three losses. So these are two of the um, worst teams uh, in in World Cup qualifying in this cycle. So if you're Greg Berhalter um, and you're kind of planning things out, how are you approaching this this World Cup qualifying window uh, knowing that the entire fan base is desperate to beat Canada? And we will not... We will not hear the end of it if no, we lose to Canada. Canada's been... Even if we draw, peacocking. they won't shut up. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, how how do you... Uh, if you're Greg Berhalter, how do you kind of approach this window?
0: Bro, they can't pay me enough for that job. I honestly <laughs> don't know, man. I feel like a lot of these problems would have been solved had we not had the draw in Nashville against Canada. Because then you have your three points there. I mean it'd be a whole different table honestly in that situation and um and yeah we'd be sitting at 17
1: the, points Canada would have 15 points it'd be so, so be nice <laughs> it'd be cozy
0: right now um, we'd basically be
1: qualified now, yeah 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 so
0: and yeah we'll just move on from that like I think you're right man I think what makes me worried cuz the, the opponents like no disrespect to El Salvador or Honduras but if we put our best 11 in those two home games let's say if we just like rotate in Canada for some reason, but we put our best team out for those two home games on paper. I have no, no doubts in our mind that we're going to get the results there. I think the weather, particularly in St. Paul, I think a lot of people have talked about it. It just doesn't make any sense that we're adding this wild card into the mix. Like I, cannot fathom it other than for like the Instagram photos that they're going to have like snowy maybe a pull stick, the scruffle will have a little bit of snow in it that'll be a good photo but other than that if we don't get three points in that game I'm going to be uh, the whole fan base will be furious and that really you you said it like this is the last window before the home stretch getting these points is massive we do not want to have to go to Mexico go away to Costa Rica where we've been Like we've never won there, right? Like never won away there or something like these games are crucial. Um, I think kind of where I'm at, where someone, you know, I think uh, he gets a little bit of stick for different reasons. Mostly. I feel like when he plays as an eight, but I feel like Kellen Acosta will actually be super important this window. Like his game, whatever game that's going to be most likely, if he rotates in as a starter for Tyler Adams, Um, who knock on wood will be healthy and not sick. (laughs) Like will just be good to go for these uh, three games. Like I feel like that game with the rotation, I do feel like it's going to be Canada unless maybe it's El Salvador. Like I feel like the game in Honduras, I I want like guys who are ready to fight. So maybe I guess now that I'm saying this, maybe the, the cogs are turning in my head here, like that game, assuming it's going to be freezing, I feel like that game I could see an approach more similar to kind of the gold cup kind of like those strong guys who are going to kind of fight it out a little less flashy. Cause we don't know what the playing surface is going to be like. I feel like it's going to be a little bit easier to kind of assume what it's going to be like in Columbus. Like it's going to be cold, but not, not on the same level. Yeah. Like I feel like you bring the best team out. You start the window strong. You get those three points on the board. You go to Canada and now here's my answer. <laughs> so in Canada, I would bring, I would try and bring the same roster like the same lineup as much as you can. Maybe you do rotate in Abusio. Um if Greg feels like he's ready for that type of game, um maybe you rotate a winger. I don't know. It, it really depends on a lot of things for me is how is Gio feeling? How ready is yeah, he? Yeah,
1: that's that's a really important thing heading into this window. Yeah, cuz right. I think
0: yeah, he's not necessarily going to be on the bench for this next game. I, that's the tweet I that I
1: saw is that he's ready, but they're not going to include him in this lineup yeah. for this weekend, but he's going to be ready to go after that. So that gives him, a, uh, let's see, the 27th. So that gives him two, three weeks in order to really yeah. ramp up. So we'll see. And uh, I, I
0: yeah, I don't know who you start. Like, if you have Gio and if you have Tim Wea available and healthy, then the rotation for me, like, it's really if we have all of our players, the problem for me is never like, the first string to that second string in most positions other than the six, I feel like even though Greg took some time to figure it out, like I feel like it's very evident to everybody who those people are. And I feel confident with various rotations on that. And I feel like in the first three game window, I think miles Robinson started all three games. Like there's not a reason that these players, if they're healthy, if they're in good condition and they're ready to go, that some players couldn't play all three games, obviously. Um, and these are huge games. Everyone's going to be wanting to play them. I don't think it's going to be that question. I think it's just going to be how they evaluate the fitness of the players. But um, I think the fitness of Wea and Geo, like particularly if you're wanting to theoretically maybe play Reina at an eight position in one of those games, but you like have Tim Wea start on the right wing for El Salvador. Like there's so many questions that are answered. If those guys are all available, if they're not like if they are available, like your rotation game, you put Brendan Aronson back out there, you know, who's been electric for the U S like, you just, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, he's the uh, <laughs> luxury version of Paul Areola. And I, and I do feel like someone, I think who will make this roster. And I think you mentioned it in your last video, I do think Jordan Morris, if he's ready to go, if Greg evaluates him in this camp, I feel like he's an upgrade on Paul Areola. And I don't think anyone would complain. I don't think Conrad Dela Fuente. Not, I think they're playing today, or they're about yeah, to play. Yeah, I don't think he's in the like, starting
1: lineup. I just checked that. Yeah. right before we. Uh,
0: yeah, unless he scores like a hat trick today, I don't think he's <laughs> like in the conversation right now. And I think it's fine. He's he's growing. He's got some really positive elements to his game, but clearly, the final ball, the final. the like goals and assists is just not there yet so you Um, you're
1: going for you're going for nine points in this window you really think that uh this this canada game is one that we have to win i want to reverse the question to you uh something that i always think about uh if you're canada and canada in this window of course are coming in number one in world cup qualifying uh they're playing the same teams as us Uh, they're playing honduras first then they have us at home and then they're playing el salvador uh, if yeah. you're and both Canada, of those are away, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the USA yeah, is their I, only home game. So if I you're don't Canada, that. no, but okay. at the same time, these, these are the most beatable, um, Honduras and El Salvador teams that we've seen in quite some time. They're, they're not playing mm-hmm. really well. Uh, so who knows? Sometimes we see at the end of world cup qualifying, the, the effort is not as much there from some of the teams who are already, uh, out. Sometimes it makes some them even more, uh, effort. Uh, we'll see, uh, when ends up happening there, but if you're Canada, Canada's not a team, I can't recall the last time Canada qualified for a World Cup. They're sitting in first place in World Cup qualifying right now. If they, They're they just like us. If they get six points from this window, it'll just about uh, solidify their, their, uh, their World Cup uh, 2022 bid. Uh, they'll just about be uh, qualified. So if you're Canada, do you bring your biggest guns for that USA match? Or do you save them for the away games to Honduras and... Uh, and el salvador in order to get those six points
0: well i think the luxury that they don't have they have a lights out attack best attack right. in Concacaf. calf um i mean just unreal players and that's great for the whole region it's great for the budding rivalry for sure between us and them um but yeah i think when it comes to like their second string guys it's, it's a bit more of a bit more of a cliff um that being said, two away games against winnable opponents. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it's very possible that yeah they do rest a couple guys. I mean, another we saw question that in Nashville. Is, in
1: Nashville, they yeah. didn't start Jonathan David. He was no. The they bench. had
0: Kyle Laren and he scored. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, he scored their goal, and like the same COVID questions come up with them too. You know, they have a lot of players, a lot of stars, also coming from Europe a lot of travel I I know Alfonso Davies I think he's out right now with COVID um so that should mean he'll be back in the camp but you just don't know what the other guys so I think it's really hard for anyone right now just with the situation just globally to know exactly or even have any sort of guesstimate on what they're going to do but yeah I, I do think it'd probably be wise and I do think it'd be very likely out of those games that we both rest a couple players and rotate and i think that does i do think that's advantage us if the right rotation is done and that's really that goes to the coach and who he selects um because yeah if he rotates the right guys i feel very confident if we over rotate again sayonara
1: yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, this is one of these. This this Canada game is is really growing into a game that it seems like it's really important for both fan bases, and it's really important for uh, Canadian soccer, especially. Yeah, uh, like but it's not as
0: important in the table necessarily. Like that's we both the thing, walk away is, with a draw. Yeah,
1: it's not as important, and if anything. Um, putting all your eggs in the basket of this game could be a detriment to um, mm-hmm. to the end goal, which is qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, so it's it's super interesting to see how these uh, two teams approach this, whether they're going to be influenced mm-hmm. by that or not, or if they're going to be playing it safe. I think we've seen uh, Greg Berhalter does have a propensity to play it safe in situations where uh, it's necessary to play it safe. That's sort of been his MO uh, throughout World mm-hmm. Cup qualifying. I'm interested to see how Canna Canada handles that as well. Uh, I want to move on to actual uh, personnel decisions for this uh, January uh, World Cup qualifying roster. So I think the marquee position for the U.S. for a while now has been that striker position. And Mm -hmm. we've seen Ricardo Pepe kind of come out and emerge as our starting striker, the top dog at that position. Uh, But behind him has been a bit of a question mark. Uh, we've seen some interesting thing ha- things happen in the last couple of, uh, couple of weeks. Daryl DK secures that move over to uh, West Brom in the championship. Uh, uh, Matthew Hoppy seems to have recovered from whatever injury Finally, that he has, yeah. and he's back in training for Mallorca. Uh, I'm assuming that he's not going to be the guy, but uh, who knows? Yeah. So, uh, w- assuming that there's going to be three strikers called into this January camp, who do you think that they're going to be?
0: It depends on if we're counting Jesus Ferreira as a striker, you know, cause I think he's in camp starting coming up right here. He's going to be around. Um, Greg has loved him for a long time. Um, yeah, I definitely think three strikers. I think Pepe definitely is the only one of the European players. That I'd say is a lock. I think DK, you know, he's had a little bit of time off now since Orlando city seasons ended new club, playing very different style of soccer than what Greg and the U S are playing. Um, and that clearly hasn't necessarily been enough to get him a lock um, spot at this point. Um, I think Jordan P Fox is someone that I kind of just, he always goes kind of under the radar for me. Um, but I mean, he had, he's had some big goals for the U S with the Honduras nations league mm-hmm. game. Um, I i think personally, my preference would be uh, Pepe PFOC and you have Jesus Ferreira as kind of like a false nine kind of, he could play alongside Pepe if you want. Um, I like that balance of different types of forwards, like in the height and size of PFOC, if you just need a goal kind of late in the game, Um, I think more realistically, I feel like as far as strikers go, I think Zardes will be in the roster and I don't like, it's not like we have the problem right now. And I think the reason people get frustrated is I feel like there's really not much of a gap in like we have gaps in potential with players, but like where they're at, like right now and how they're performing, they're kind of all like Pepe hasn't hadn't scored a league goal in forever. And then in his last U S games, really he had some good link up play in the last qualifying window. But other than that really hasn't been like firing on all cylinders. So hopefully this move to Augsburg gets him back in fire. And we need that. He needs it just for his confidence and uh, Augsburg for sure. They just invested a lot of money. They need it too. Um, So I think it's going to be Pepe. I think he will be, Um, potentially Ferreira and Zardes as the three. And I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I don't feel like I need to see more Zardes, but it just feels like the writing's on the wall there. So I'm not going (laughs) to fight it.
1: Yeah, we have a couple of guys um, who could potentially put their names on the list very easily in Daryl DK and Josh Sargent. They're both mm-hmm. – uh, Sargent has been at Norwich and just has not been good in the final third at all this season. Uh, zero Premier League goals on the season. Just
0: breaks my heart.
1: <laughs> if he puts one in the back of the net and, and starts to kind of just feel a little bit of juice going through him, I mean, he could be on this roster really quickly. I mean, Josh Sargent is a player yeah. that could go from uh, – a player that's not even called in to a player that's potentially the starting striker for the U S really quickly. And you just turn it around and sort of, and that's what I'm saying.
0: It's all everyone in my eyes. I see it all on equal pegging. We don't have that obvious right now. Like we have the obvious guys that like, okay, these guys have potential. We thought Josh Sargent was that guy. And I hope for his sake, just like his like mentality and just like his personal well-being, that he does start firing a bit more. I mean, it's been it's been rough, um, and it's like hard to see a player just that lack of confidence. It, it's hard, um, but yeah, like I mean, if he scored like three goals in four games or something, like he'd be right back in. And I mean, he's playing at a great level, you know. Like out of all these players, he's coming up against the best competition, so that's a part of like I think the struggles in Norwich is just a terrible, terrible team. Um, but he hasn't really helped make it better, you know. And so I think until that changes, I I, I just feel like he's kind of off the list but I would love to see him turn around just because I do I do think he's got some really incredible quality but I think right now he needs to get out of like the meme category and he needs to like become a striker again
1: yeah we, I, I keep talking about like uh 2022 and about how time's running out and I, I think it's happening for a lot of these players like I, in the previous video I mentioned that uh it's put up or shut up time for George Bellow. And somebody rightfully mm. called me out in the comment section and said, how can you say that about a 19 <laughs> year old? And like, that yep. is a valid thing to say, but uh, I, I'm always thinking about in terms of the cycle. And, and in terms of this particular cycle, there's a lot of players that we valued their potential heavily, uh, but potential is no longer uh, what we're looking at for these players. It is down to what can you offer the team right now? And you mentioned like Giassi Zardes as a player that has a low ceiling, but can offer something in a world mm-hmm. cup qualifier right now. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of these players. I mean, George Bellow is one of them and Josh Sargent is turning into one. Like I think a couple years ago, we all thought that Josh Sargent, certainly whenever he went to Berman was certainly yeah. going to be a part of the world cup uh, team heading into 2022. And it's, it's, we're reaching a point where. Josh only has a few more months where he's got to pull it together or else he can risk yeah. not having a seat on that plane. I think another one that we're kind of coming to terms with right now is Caden Clark. We didn't mention Caden yep. Clark when talking about the uh, preparation camp, but you know everybody thought Caden Clark was going to go over to Leipzig and, and maybe mm-hmm. get a loan out to a team in Europe. It turns out he's getting a loan right back to, uh, New, back York to New York Red Bulls. And you know he could have potentially been called into camp preparation or preparation camp, whatever you want to call it. Um, camp cup, Cupcake
0: Part Two. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, he didn't. Greg opted to go with Mihailovic, Bassett, and uh, and Sebastian Laget, and Christian Roldan. So apparently, even in that uh, December, what did, what do people call it? Camp Candy Cane. Even in that December. I was camp- calling it Camp
0: Christmas, but it didn't it didn't uh didn't hold yeah. on. So
1: so even in that December camp, Caden apparently did not um. Did not show out to the yeah. point where Greg decided to bring him in for this particular one. So time is running out for him as well. Uh, in order to get that plane ticket to 2022, there's a lot of players like that where time, time is just not on their side. Time is not yeah. on Jonathan Gomez's side. It's not on uh, Matthew Hoppy's side. It, yeah. You, you and I think really it's a, start... go
0: ahead. Absolutely. Like, I think it's a weird situation that the U S is kind of unique in this situation. Like our average age of our team is outrageously young yeah and you know i think all of us like during 2020 like you're in lockdown you're like creating your little graphs with your formations and yeah we all like imagine oh yeah okay it's sergeant and uh and geo and pulisic and then it's like it's easy like that's kind of the point of the process where we were all kind of and i feel like even the coach like we went through the whole Sarakin area where it's all the only thing that we're doing is like bringing in just anyone who's like 18 and like has the U.S. passport, you know, like I feel like we've had to go through a transition of like, okay, here's like our fantasy team. But in reality, now we're getting to the point of the process where it's like, okay, which players are here for now are ready for Qatar in November, which starts on my birthday, by the way. But I don't think I'm able to make it to Qatar. (laughs) That seems like a very expensive trip. Um, But, now it's like okay, which of these players is Greg kind of thinking? Okay, these are go- these are talented guys like a Kay and Clark. Like, I, it is funny. I feel like in soccer terms, I feel like different than other sports. Like, we have a tendency to like, oh, he's twenty one and he's not doing this. It's like that's ridiculous. Like, these are still very young adults or just teenagers, and it's like their development is not always going to be linear. And particularly as our players take more difficult steps up, they're going to have setbacks. They're going to have times where they hit low spots, but I, I mean, you think of guys like Yuli Linas. like, I still rate him. I think he's a good player. I don't know what his ultimate ceiling is going to be, but he's gone through some tough times. doesn't mean he couldn't fight his way into contention for teams in between 2022 and 2026. And our team really, I feel like Greg has to balance the building for that world cup where these players will be in their prime and you help kind of guide them and kind of counsel them with their decisions that they're going to be making now with that in mind, but also the short term, but, I think it's really almost like two separate squads in my opinion
1: yeah i mean that's a good way of looking at looking at it because after this 2022 cycle we're going to see a few players uh kind of leave the rotation like i don't think kellen acosta will is going to be a player that we're going to be relying on too much past 2022 same thing with sebastian legette uh christian Roldan is is kind of up there in age like he would be I believe he would be like early 30s in um, in, in Qatar. Yeah. So you, you got to imagine that he wouldn't be a part of that group moving forward. Uh, so there will be an opportunity for some of these young players to come through. But at the same time, uh, the players ahead of them are very young. That's that's yeah. the big thing. That's 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 whatever... the crazy thing. I saw somebody made a case for uh, Dewan Jones in, in my comment section saying, you know, this guy's a little bit better than you're giving him credit for. But the reality is at 24 years old, if you're competing for that left-back position and the guys ahead of you are George Bello at 19, Sam Vines, who I think is 21, 22, uh, Anthony Robinson yeah. is 24, and uh, Joe, Joe Scally is 18 years old. Um, if, if the guys ahead of you are already playing at a higher level than you and they're younger than you, it makes it really difficult to see any window for you to crack that yeah. side. And it's going to be like that for a lot of these players coming through.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's if you're ready, play. You know, and they always say like the mess next man up mentality. And I think one thing I will say with Greg is I do think he has done a good job of integrating, say, dual nationals or young players into camps, even if you're just like getting a look, you know, I can nitpick and in the end of the day, no one's gonna remember that Bosnia friendly, you know. But like in my nitpicking, I'm like, I wanna see Jonathan Gomez play like 90 minutes, you know. But like at the end of the day, like the relationship that they build. And the like relationships in camp, like those will have really long term like effects more than him having like a seven point six rating in like fought mob or whatever. Like at the end of the day, like we're gonna remember what kind of was grown from those moments, you know? Like, but, but a lot of that's gonna be behind the scenes, and a lot of that's in games too. But like,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's an
0: interesting situation to like deal yeah, with for I- these young players.
1: I think that the paradigm for the U.S. men's national team has shifted uh, quite a bit and a lot of fans are still living in that uh, paradigm from two years ago where it was, you know, like you said, flip the flip the monopoly board over and then start all over and pretty much anybody um, who is 18, 19 years old could get a shot like the reality is, is. The Tim Weah that played against Italy in that friendly in the Serikin era—it was France, I'm sorry—in uh, that yeah. uh, Serikin era, is wow. he, does he have a better resume than like Conrad De La Fuente does right now? Uh, they were pretty much equal in that regard. Yeah. Like, it's 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 hard to say. So. Tim Weah definitely got opportunities that Conrad De La Fuente is not going to get just because of.
0: But it was um, like benefiting of the time. It was just a very it's, it's unique just, si- situation.
1: Yeah, and I, I yeah. see a lot of people calling for, uh, specifically in that Bosnia game, a lot of people calling for like just play the young players to see what you have there. And, and we're no longer in that position. It's it's not really where we the paradigm that we're finding ourselves in right now. It's not mm-hmm. building for the future. The future is pretty much here. Uh, like, yeah. You know, if you want to see Jonathan Gomez or like Caden Clark is another one, why didn't you start Caden Clark in that eight position just to kind of see what you have there? Well, mm-hmm. in that eight position, you also have a 18 year old, um, uh, Eunice Musa who's starting for the national team. You so, also yeah. have a 19 year old, I believe he's 19, uh, Jean Cabuccio, who's pushing for that position. Yeah. Tanner Tessman's a teenager, I believe. Um, Gio Reyna can play Weston centrally. Yeah. yeah. You have these but realistically, very, very is like
0: way down the depth chart unfortunately and I, I i do like i try and just try and look at it kind of balanced like take my fandom off because i i when i'm watching that game and i'm like seeing Roldan, like didn't he play like 90 minutes i'm like oh my gosh like can you please like i need like mouthwash for my eyes i clean it but <laughs> like at the same time there is a master plan here And the whole time that camp was introduced as a chance to keep some of these guys fresh. And it's way more likely that you're going to see a rolled on, not only obviously in this preparation camp, but in the final roster as much as like, we don't want that to happen. So I get from that point, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird balancing act to be because like, yeah, we want to be building towards the future and we want like the most exciting players, but maybe like maybe where they're at right this moment, like, Maybe they're just not there, and I. That's the tough one to swallow. Is maybe
1: they're not quite there yet. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Kellen Acosta does offer more than some of these players right this moment. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe he does. I mean As uh, as a
0: six, I think I think I can agree, but as an eight, hell no. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. As an eight,
1: <laughs> not so much. And you know, there is there's a few players who I was really excited about in MLS this year and like Aiden Morris who got injured right before yeah. the season, which I think like, I completely forgot about him, man. Yeah. Moses Nyman is a player that I'm really excited about. But you know, maybe maybe their window is twenty twenty six and the dream. Damn of 2022 it's just um there's just not enough time uh for them to, for them to make it and speaking of not enough time we're kind of running into uh, the <laughs> end uh, of this particular podcast so uh, justin i want to thank you so much for coming on can you take a minute to uh plug your channel and, and and where people can find you
0: oh bro thank you so much for having me on this has been so much fun um yeah so i'm Justin nominated i run a channel called soccer house um most of we focused on like Match day vlogs we've been to the canada u.s game costa rica u.s mexico u.s um if you haven't checked those out already it was just so much fun to create little honestly i was just i'm doing it for fun like i'm a big fan like i wanted to find a way to document it and yeah they're up there it's soccer house soccer house <laughs> i don't know and yeah Let's just get excited! We have games coming up finally, and our players—the winter break, the cold winter break of Germany and Italy—it's gone. We can watch Weston McKinney play again. There's a lot to be thankful for. And it's yeah, yeah. There. Depending so.
1: on when you see this, I mean, we've got a huge weekend coming up <laughs> that could potentially see the debut for uh, Ricardo Pepe. Oof. We could be seeing a debut for uh, for Daryl D. K. Uh, just yes. a lot of players playing. It's it's just a, there goes my whole weekend. Time. Yeah, yeah, man. And like you said, we've kind of been living in this world where like uh, we were so spoiled with all these games happening right, left and center. Then all of a sudden we get this winter break and we're just kind of focused on the Premier League and Pulisic and Sargent. And that that was kind of a bummer. We wanted to All see of our players of are playing NASA defense. Characters. Yeah, 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 that whole thing. So anyway, Justin, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter and check out his content for Justin. My name is Sam and this is the Yank Report. All right, man, clap twice for me. All right. All right. Actually, I, I'm supposed to say um, this is the Yank Report presented by Bet Online. Let me just make sure I got that audio. I'll probably dub that audio in.
0: <laughs> you got to get the sponsors happy, bro.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I appreciate it. Bro, this was great. You a, uh, Thank you for having me. For sure, man. You have a, a nice rest of your vacation.
0: We'll do. We'll do. I'll get back to Nashville soon. Get back to that better lighting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Peace. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at
1: Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.